0: This is Doing Good Through Food, I'm Alex Coffin, and my guest on the show today is Rob Wilson. Rob is chief toaster at Toast Ale, which brews beer using surplus bread that would otherwise go to waste and donates all their profits to the charity Feedback to fight against food waste at every level of the food system. Prior to leading Toast, Rob was director of Ashoka UK, where he worked alongside and supported some of the world's most remarkable social inventors, innovators, excuse me. Um, he's also a serial social entrepreneur himself, who's founded several social change organizations both here in the UK and in Africa as well. It's an absolute pleasure to say Rob, welcome to Doing Good Through Feed. Thanks very much Alex, Thank pleasure you. to be here. Here in, uh, in a shed, <laughs> yeah. sat outside your offices on a building site, yeah, <laughs> just so, to paint the picture. For... Yeah
1: so to paint the picture, Toast, we've just moved into a new, uh, a new office building, uh, it's being refurbed as we speak Uh, We were slightly over-promised, I would say, on uh, our move-in date, Mm. and so there definitely will be a little bit of building work in the background, and we are outside in the uh, the (laughs) courtyard is a a glamorous word for it, Mm. Uh, the sort of car park, um, (laughs) where we're in a shed that used to be a meeting room inside, uh, and we've now occupied it to try and give us a little bit of quiet space for a podcast so uh so here we are i'm going to i'm
0: going to have to take a picture of this i don't don't think we can really kind of get across (laughs) exactly where we are it's probably
1: going to start raining soon as well it probably will getting a pitter patter on the roof
0: (laughs) well there you go so if if you hear that in the background that's that's what's going on (laughs) anyway so now we've set the scene um i'd love to I've got, there's loads to ask you, and I think the main thing that I wanted to kind of talk to you today about is toast and yep. sort of really understand how that is, but I, how that works and everything around it. But I, I, um, I wanted to ask as I, I said in the in the introduction, you know, you numerous social ventures in your in your time, and some of them were sort of really quite early on yep. um, in my research. You know, the first one um, really kind of stood out to me. You were at uh, you set up Reed International, yep. which is when you were still a student, I yep, think, yep, and I yep. was um, you know taking. Taking books, unwanted books, to uh, to Tanzania, to yep. you know where they were needed, and and delivering them. Um, I just wanted to ask, what what made you want to do it? Like, what was the motivation for that? Was there something particular that prompted you want to want to do that in particular?
1: Yeah. Um, so a <laughs> couple a couple of factors actually. Um, so one um, a sort of more altruistic reason was. Um, a friend of mine had been teaching in Tanzania uh, mm. on a uh, sort of a year out before university um, and at the time I was fairly ignorant to the issues in East Africa um, and he'd made me aware of this huge demand for educational resources in schools mm. um, and I wanted to help do something and so ended up uh, kind of going out to Tanzania and that led to a a whole kind of charitable project uh, probably a less altruistic reason is uh, i was trying to impress my then girlfriend now wife um so it works who, uh, it works yeah i guess yeah. so who uh, basically a few few friends of mine were like if you really want to impress nikki you should probably get off your ass and do something a bit more altruistic and productive because uh, she has a heart uh, and you don't um, and um <laughs> And so, yeah, probably a combination
0: of factors. You found it.
1: Uh, you found. And so, yeah, so that then led to creating a uh, Reed International. Mm. So, yeah, in Tanzania um, and still going strong now. Um, I was going to say, I uh, mean, it, it's since... So you set it up as a sort of a one-off yes, thing. Yeah, yeah, I
0: yeah, yeah. read it. You've now delivered... The organisation has delivered over a million books. Yeah, yeah, refurbished yeah, yeah, something like and changed quite considerably. So when is... we
1: first started, we were collecting books in the UK and taking the best books to schools in Tanzania. Yeah. What we now do is, and for many years now, uh, we've been collecting books throughout the UK, selling all of the books um, that we collect, and then using mm. all the profits. Uh, to buy books locally in Tanzania. Uh, And then we have a network of Tanzanian university students Mm. who go into the Tanzanian secondary schools to build libraries, refurbish libraries. And so it's all entirely Tanzanian um, student volunteer-led. Right. and we support a little bit from the UK with some fundraising mm. by selling selling books in the UK. And I suppose um, the
0: money you could get for the books would buy more there. Yeah, and, exactly. And so we kind of learned a lot. We learned a lot of time.
1: Yeah. And also just sending books from the UK to Tanzania mm. at first made a lot of sense. Uh, but I think as we evolved and learnt about international development and the best approaches um mm. it made a lot more sense to actually buy locally uh, mm. from local publishers where books are really designed for the local curriculum uh, even though the Tanzanian education yeah. system is based on the british model which is mm. why uh what we did at the beginning also made sense uh, yeah. But hopefully we've got better but anyway we're now here to talk about beer rather than books but we, uh, we are but those those <coughs> that's my origins and uh yeah, it was um it was a lot of fun i'm really proud to still chair the organization actually
0: yeah well and it made me think that you know or it made me want to ask: Having did setting something like that up at you know really quite a young age and yep. seeing it develop to what it became, did that sort of help you see the potential in other startups? You know, when you're because the, the job prior to this one was was essentially that. You know, was was kind of um, mentoring, supporting, looking at you know new new yep. social entrepre- entrepreneur ventures and ideas and what have you. I mean, do you think it kind of do you think it helps you see the potential in things?
1: Definitely, definitely. So, um, I mean, what really then led from me, um, yeah, going from reed to Ashoka and then to Toast was um, was actually my honeymoon. So the sort of girlfriend at the time that uh, uh, I managed to woo enough to uh, uh, get down on one knee and uh, ultimately uh, uh, marry was um, uh, we took our honeymoon traveling from Cape Town to Cairo to write a book about social entrepreneurs, changemakers in Africa. Mm -hmm. And so we traveled through South Africa, Zimbabwe, Zambia, Malawi, Tanzania, Rwanda, Kenya, Sudan, Mm -hmm. Egypt, Mm -hmm. finding two or three incredible changemakers in each country that we went through, um, trying to really paint a picture of a continent um, with a very different story to tell, where most of what you read and hear and see about Africa is typically characterized as war and corruption and famine and disease. Um, And whilst some of those things are true, there's an incredible side of Africa where there's um, solutions, there's enterprise, Mm -hmm. um, there's a real constructive change happening. uh, And we wanted to paint that picture. And And on that journey, half the people we we profiled were supported by this organization called Ashoka. Um, And that then led me to Ashoka. And, really led me to yeah want to do more to support social entrepreneurs who had great ideas Mm. wanted to take them to scale maybe needed a little bit of help and support um to to structure strategically Mm. um and hoped i could lend a little bit of a hand um and so then it ended up at ashoka for uh five years leading the the uk arm of what is a a global um not-for-profit organization um Mm but always had itchy feet so it was funny like every time I was uh, uh advising or supporting or working with a uh, uh, a social entrepreneur in the network mm. I would um I would have this kind of feeling of envy which is a terrible feeling to have um where I just thought I want to be on that side of the table um doing the doing the the change rather than uh, well, advising
0: I mean I, I can understand to a degree I mean I, you know a consultant it's kind of there's always that sort of distance you know you're kind mm. of there, there's there are positive things to it. You get to see a lot of different things, and you sort of you come in with a fresh pair of eyes, and all, you know everything that goes with consultancy. But you're you're sort of always a bit removed. I,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, um, and so then it wasn't it wasn't until one of our social entrepreneurs um, in the in the network, um, a guy called Tristram Stewart, uh, mm-hmm. who's a food waste uh, activist, <laughs> campaigner, a really amazing guy. Um, he's sort of a best-selling author. Um, and has kind of given the TED talk on kind of food waste um he and i were having this chat about starting up a beer company um and at that moment realized ah oh, this is this is it of all the ideas i've heard and seen this is the one that i want to dive into well, and
0: i've heard you you say that i mean so you you've seen any number of social ventures what was it about this one what like, yeah so know, it just the,
1: encompasses everything so so in a nutshell, um, Toast, we're on a mission to prove that the alternative to food waste is delicious and pint-sized, uh, and we brew our beer um, award-winning. And I say woo-hoo. absolutely. Uh, <laughs> that's very smug, uh, but yeah, we um, we brew our beer uh, using uh, perfectly good but surplus uh, bread that would otherwise be wasted, mm. um, and then we donate all of our profits to uh, a food waste charity, um, and. Yeah, when Tristram was kind of first talking about this idea it just encompassed all the elements um, of a perfect social business for me um, we were kind of a, when we first started talking about it we were talking about our our four core founding principles of just produce a product which tastes and looks fantastic let's just focus on product 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 um, but let's lock it into some really important social values and so number two this awesome product would be tackling bread waste head on. There's the equivalent to a slice of bread in every bottle. Number three, trying to communicate food waste and doing that in a really accessible way, not trying to be preachy and righteous and holier just than a, thou. Just and, yeah, just do it yeah. in a really human way. And yeah. you know what better way to provoke a conversation than cracking open a beer? And then the fourth principle of pouring all of our profits into charity. Um, and again, we pay ourselves. I pay my team. You know, we're we're not doing this uh, for nothing. Um, but we don't want to grow richer and richer. Um, We have shareholders who have invested in Toast and are enabling the business to grow, and they're perfectly happy that they don't receive dividends. They're not going to get an annual return on their investment. Mm. Um, They want to see their dividends go to charity. Um, And so at the very beginning, these ideas were formulating, and it just encompassed every element of, yeah, really great, like, Yeah. Really great structure. And it's, yeah, it's beer as well. At the end of the day, it's great fun. It's, um, it's a fun, it's a fun world to be in. It's a fun industry to be in. Um, and, uh, I have a, a sort of a a brief background of, of supporting and advising a couple of different food waste organizations. Mm. It's, uh, it's a sector that is so, um, significantly impacting, um, in such a negative way, the environment and climate change and the biggest problems facing our, uh, our planet. Um, and it's so solvable as well. Uh, mm. It's such a simplistic concept to actually take on and tackle um, that, yeah, there was just no, there was no looking away from it and realizing, yeah, I'm going to dive in.
0: Fantastic. And it's, um, I mean, one of the sort of headline Figures, or you know, you, you you kind of paint the picture in all sorts of different ways. But one of the things that really stood out to me when I was looking at this and researching for it is that ne- nearly half of bread in the UK, yep. that's produced in the UK is thrown away, um, not including bread that's redirected to charities because you're saying you know, that that's still within the system, doesn't count as waste. So it's sort of so nearly half of the bread being thrown away is is incredible when you start to really trying to think that through. I mean, yeah, but,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. What, for just you know for people listening why why is that and and where
1: is it being thrown away well yeah so at every level every level so um so yeah in the uk um well so glo- to paint a bigger picture as well so globally one third of the food that we produce in the world is going to waste um and like i said it has by far the biggest impact on uh our environment so the food system is the biggest contributor towards greenhouse gas emissions um people think of the transportation industry or the energy industry as being the big culprits Mm. but obviously the energy taken in our food system the transportation utilized in our food system uh, it is ultimately the food system that has the biggest contribution and when one third is going to waste it's bonkers i
0: I think i've heard when if food waste were a country it would be the third biggest yeah yeah, it, yeah greenhouse yeah, it's, gas emitter right. yeah, exactly it's something crazy like yeah that. yeah I mean, yeah
1: yeah it is and 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 so those that kind of reality at a big macro level uh is super alarming and the biggest culprit of them all is bread humble loaf of bread um where yeah like you said 44 percent of the bread uh that we bake in the uk is wasted and the reason that happens is basically at each and every level so it's relatively cheap to make with relatively high profit margins but also has to be consumed preferably by most consumers day fresh. Mm. Um, and, you know, when I look at our beer business now that I'm really familiar with, and our beer will have a a 12-month shelf life on it, ideally, you, ideally consumed within three to six months. Um, if it was 24 hours as a shelf life, our logistics operation would be near impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, we have customers who... We cannot possibly predict the volume of beer that they want to buy on a daily basis. Mm. If we were supplying them with bread, we would have to massively over-cater because the moment that somebody orders your product and you can't fulfill, that customer just goes to another business and buys from them Mm. and probably never comes back. And so bakeries at a high street level and bakeries at an industrial level are massively overproducing just to be on the safe side because it's relatively cheap to make Mm. and they need to ensure that they have stock to supply to customers um it's then happening in the sandwich industry where we're addicted we're freaking addicted to sandwiches in the uk and um and you know we all eat them as our convenience food for for lunch and you now go on any high street and it's littered with uh sandwich shops yeah (laughs) And the reality is that the end slice, the heel of the loaf, is surplus to requirements. So that never ends up on your sandwich. And they, in sandwich factories, just end up taking that crust and putting it straight into the, into the bin. Um, at best, it ends up in a food waste bin that ends up going to animal feed or anaerobic digestion. Uh, but at worst, and most commonly, it ends up just going into landfill um and so I mean,
0: all the greenhouse gas that goes with yeah
1: that. and so that and so that creates this and, that, and, and again it's just crazy so the end slice is taken but often the next slice is taken as well in a sandwich factory where it might be slightly dipping at the end or it's a manual process and someone's accidentally taken two slices of bread rather than just the end crust right and then at home with are just, just, kind of, of, just so you end up
0: with the uniform sandwich yeah just, just so, yeah just right. so in the
1: packet it's it's as uniform as you like uh, yeah. and then the amount of people that you speak to who say you know what, well, I love the crust, the crust is my favorite piece. Like, you know, yeah. put lashings of butter on your crust and it's delicious. Um, but uh not yet widely accepted in, in the sandwich industry. And then at home we're guilty of of wasting bread as well. Um and it's something that is happening at all levels, and that's the the issue with food waste in general, is that there's there's not really any one um sector or industry Uh, or individual or business or government uh, that's at fault it is a collective responsibility and we all need to be really aware of it Mm -hmm. and so with toast and brewing our beer we're tackling it head-on but we're also trying to just raise awareness in a really fun accessible way Mm -hmm. uh, and see if we can have some collective responsibility and collective ownership to then tackle the issue so i mean it's it's, uh like you just said an an issue that kind of exists at
0: all these different levels and toast is about using the surplus that's kind that's in the system already and doing yep. something with it raising awareness and so there's there's sort of two really key outcomes there and then the money that goes into feedback
1: yep.
0: feedback as i understand it tackles sort of it tackles this issue at different and food waste more widely at, yeah, yeah, at yeah. all levels is what advice do they give or do you give about you know ways that it might be improved because when you when you paint the picture of how it happens you know it seems it's so it's so understandable you know that yeah, yeah, people yeah. would just overproduce a little bit that it all adds up and the same way on the sort of consumer side it's cheap so you buy enough to make sure you've got enough and yeah. if it goes in the bin it's not you know you wouldn't throw steaks away but you yeah. you might not see it in the same way so how when it's so easy you know, so so how when it accumulates so easily? Yeah. How do you tackle it? How How do you advise yeah. that people start? So
1: again, so again, there's there's it. fairly straightforward ways for it to be tackled, but it does need. Um, it needs collective action. So where feedback so effectively operate is, they're trying to change policies at a corporate level, and so have lobbied companies such as Tesco's, uh, who now have um internal standards and policies where they even target their staff uh, on reducing food waste and have a commitment to end food waste within the tesco ecosystem um and they, they this they year just I believe. they've just committed um, to
0: the to publishing everything haven't they they've exactly and that, being and being very transparent yeah.
1: about it and a lot of that has come from the likes of feedback lobbying for that kind of um action and responsibility also trying to change government policy and changing the law Um, and so one example of that would be um, animal feed and so traditionally pigs were uh, fed all sorts of um, food waste anything and everything and that's how the pig industry um, has existed for millennia but in recent decades laws have been introduced to massively restrict what can be fed to pigs uh, to a point where it's no longer super rational and there's examples in other countries around the world such as japan who have got really appropriate legislation so that you don't feed anything to pigs Um, but you do have a much broader scope than we have in the uk about what is allowed uh, to be used Uh, and you could um, really use a huge amount of the food because the in terms of a food waste pyramid the, the best outcome is that food isn't wasted at all and it's designed for human consumption so humans consume the food next best case is animals uh, because at least that's then staying within the food system um next best would be something like anaerobic digestion where it gets turned into power uh, or composting and then worst cases uh, ultimately uh, yeah ending up in landfill um and so there's different levels of of that food waste and then the, the sort of final element of solving the problem is, I would say, consumer awareness and yeah, just mass participation of, um, of people like you and I uh, being aware of it, either voting with our feet, voting with our wallets, uh, demanding uh, certain products from supermarkets. So what has now become the norm um, is this concept of wonky or ugly fruits and vegetables. Again, feedback really pioneered this. So this is when supermarkets will almost deliberately sourced from farms, um, the the wonky or the ugly fruits that are slightly misshapen that they were previously deliberately rejecting. um, And the standards were just crazy. You know, if the carrot wasn't perfectly uniform and straight, it would get rejected. And obviously in nature, a lot isn't gonna be uniform and straight. Um, And I spent my summers as a kid uh, picking apples and a big influence for why I'm so passionate about food waste is that I spent summers picking apples Um, in Kent where I'm from and you would end up throwing away like half the apples that you picked uh, because they weren't the perfect shape or size and you'd have a little ring that you needed to put the apple up against and work out whether it was the right size and the amount of delicious fruits that just got rejected from my tiny minuscule experience was absolutely vast Uh, and when you realize that that's happening at an industrial scale in every single farm uh, all across the world you realize that we as consumers need to start demanding that it's okay if the apple is ten percent larger than the apple I purchased yesterday it's all right if it's five percent smaller um, and that these can or if there's a slight knobble on it or a slimy bit of tiny bit of you know discoloration in some part of it it's just crazy and so feedback have really pioneered this at a uh, government legal sort of level uh corporate policy level as well as consumer behavior change level they do things like feeding the five thousand where they have these mass awareness participation uh where you feed thousands of people from food that would otherwise have gone to waste and that's why we're super proud to fund the work that they do and, and really enable them to continue fighting this at a at a macro level whilst we have a, a delicious time tackling it um <laughs> with our uh, with our beer. Absolutely, and it's a, it is a really it's a great. Sort on that note, of, uh, on I should note, I should pour you a uh, pour you some of our pale. This fantastic. is our pale ale. Thank you very much. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm uh, we are proving while we're doing this that it is delicious. That's. Uh,
1: but it'd be rude not to. It would be rude
0: not to. The and it, it's just a really sort of great, um, vehicle for raising awareness. I think you know when you something that somebody has in their hands and it's it can, explain. Explain the issues and sort of say something as direct as there's the equivalent of a slice of bread in this bottle of beer i mean that's it's quite a quite a clever quite a d- powerful way to get the message across i would think
1: and very tangible as well. people yeah. just get it. i think um where we've been surprised is even if you don't really know anything about bread um baking uh, or beer brewing. You just kind of get it you kind of like oh yeah bread and beer it's kind of the same thing and Mm. people know that they've kind of heard the concept that beer has been called liquid bread before um and it's because it is exactly the same raw ingredient. so for us we we basically brew our beer where we replace one third of the malted barley that you would otherwise use in beer production with the bread uh the bread that we use is like i say it's often day fresh from sandwich makers so, and it's fresher bread than the bread you end up eating on a sandwich. By the time the bread on a sandwich has been through the supply chain, mm. been on a, uh, a shop shelf, at um, a boots or a Costa or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably like one or two days old. Yeah. We end up brewing that bread whilst it's still day fresh. Um, and, um, we're getting some funny, we're getting some funny yeah. looks sat <laughs> in the, uh, sat in the shed. I can't imagine <laughs> why. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't can't I'm, imagine. I can't imagine why either. No, I can't. And, um, and so, um, uh, yeah, so we so we kind of replace replace one third of the malted barley, and it and it works perfectly. And people just seem to yeah resonate with that concept; they just get the mm. the correlation.
0: Yeah. So maybe we could kind of just um, dive a little bit into what what the sort yep. of actual process is. You know how. How do you get the bread in the first place? Yep. How how is it used in the beer? So you yep. know a third of a third it replaces a third of the ingredients. But maybe, maybe you could just sort of like break it down a bit, explain how it. How
1: yeah, it sure, 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 sure. And um, and I'd love to be able to paint this kind of romantic image of me and the team on pedal bikes going <laughs> from artisanal bakery to artisanal bakery, down Cople Street, yeah, 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 yeah. Filling up our baskets <laughs> with yep. bread. Obviously, the reality is that bread waste is happening at such an industrial level that it's your kind of big, ugly factories um, that are churning out delicious bread, um, but it is otherwise being wasted um, when it's not being purchased. And so we tend to partner up with large bakeries or uh, sometimes artisanal bakeries at a a local level, um, often sandwich manufacturers. And every day or so, we literally, um, a bakery will reach out to us having heard about what we do and, and wanting to to uh, sort of get rid of their bread because mm. it's cheaper for them to give us the bread free of charge than it is to pay to dispose of the bread uh, as commercial waste. Right. And so that's a real uh, kind of, I guess, business model, no brainer um, in what we're doing is that it's um yeah, there's this kind of financial rationale to it it's as a well. Very easy sell, um, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, people. exactly. Yeah, it's an easy sell. Uh, and then you're replacing one third of your uh well, we're replacing one third of our grain bill at the brewery as well, uh, mm. with a free ingredient. So there's this kind of financial sense to it. So they they deliver it. Yeah, to so you. they deliver it to us, to the door of the brewery, um, either in crumb form or we crumb the bread at the brewery. Um, mm. you then put that those crumbs into what you call the mash uh when you first start brewing a beer. The process of brewing a beer is Ultimately, mixing. Uh, typically, you would just mix grains and hot water together. We replace one third of the grains with uh, bread. Um, you then uh, bring those uh, that liquid, which is it's kind of like a porridge, I guess, effectively. Uh, you drain off the what would have been the oats in the porridge uh, mm. to just leave yourself with a liquid. You boil that, add hops. Gives it some flavor and aroma. Uh, you then add yeast, uh, mm-hmm. and that basically ferments it uh, into a, a delicious beer. Um, and our process is exactly the same, except for replacing one third of the the malted grain with um, uh, with bread. And it's yeah. uh, it's really straightforward. It, it takes beer production back to its origins. So the first ever beer recipe from five thousand years ago was brewed with bread. That's how beer was made for thousands of years. That was the norm it has gone out of the norm now. it's no longer in the craft or art of most brewers, but when you mm. speak to a brewer, they totally get it it just instantly makes sense um and so there there is having said, you know painting this romantic picture of us on pedal bikes. I think there is a romance to taking beer production actually back to its origins. Um, mm. And that's something we're loving doing. And every brewer that we work with also is loving that craft and working out the different types of bread that you could use as well. So you can add a little bit more rye bread and, and produce some really lovely rye notes mm. into, a, into a beer. Um, or there's, um, you know, breads like a sourdough that might be slightly higher in salt content. Mm. Um, and for a dark beer, like a stout or a porter, having a lovely toasted, salted caramel flavor is actually really delicious. You wouldn't want anything too high in salt for a pale beer, that would taste pretty unusual. Um, But it works really well for a dark beer. And then, you know, the wheat-based breads um, where you can create a really delicious wheat beer lends itself really well to a a wheat beer. Um, And we've put some some surplus fruits uh, into the beers as well at times. We've done some really delicious orange vice beers and uh, things like yes. that just last week we did an orange <clears throat> saison beer um in a collaboration brew that we did
0: that was it was actually something I was going to ask whether yeah, yeah. um you know whether whether you had plans or whether you had done um brewing with any anything other than bread Yes, because obviously yeah. there's kind of food waste of, of yeah, all yeah, sorts yeah. Um, I was wondering is it is bread kind of particularly suitable and I think you said it you know it yeah. it is but is is it also just the fact that it's so consistently available because if you're trying to create a product at scale from, from the conversations I've had with other people, you know, other types of food waste are quite hard to predict. Um, and yeah, you know, yeah, I was yeah. wondering whether that's maybe kind of a Sadly
1: not. There. So sadly not. At the moment, mm. it's all too straightforward. And, you know, supply of surplus bread way outstrips uh, our demand um, at the moment. And we want to put that right. You know, ultimately we want to end bread waste through the beer industry. And so we want to carry on brewing our toast beers and, you know, scaling up and selling uh, as much as possible um but we've also open sourced our recipe and um we want to change the entire industry and so our recipes now been downloaded 30,000 times um that's super exciting we're seeing this kind of home brewing revolution taking off mm. um although excuse the pun but we like to say rev uh but <laughs> yeah shameless shameless <laughs> it, it we're looks, full of it looks good on print we're, we're, <laughs> we're full we're full we're full of bread bread and uh, and shameless beer puns and so um We, um, so yeah, and then, and then collaborating with breweries all around the world as well to take this, take this problem on. And then with, um, our friend, uh, Will at Greensand Ridge, uh, we distilled, um, with bread as well and and did what we call the inbred moonshine which we find yeah. hilarious but uh, we're also brewing in in the u s where apparently it's not so politically correct to say the inbred moonshine uh, <laughs> but we still find hilarious and um sure there'd be a market for it yeah and so and so yeah there, there's also all sorts of possibilities for distilling as well as brewing um but you can be, you know ultimately you can use any fruits and vegetables for uh, both beer production and um any alcohol production, the origins of all alcohol production come from food waste. Uh, and that is how uh, we first discovered uh, alcohols. And so with natural yeasts um, and uh, and so yeah, the possibilities are endless. At the moment we keep trying to pinch ourselves and focus, focus, focus on uh, our, our delicious bread beer and yeah. um, how we can mainstream that concept before we start getting too carried away with uh, a potato bit. Yeah. <laughs> um- so, I mean, you decided to make the
0: recipe available to everyone. Was that just? Was there any sort of hesitation about that? Or no, was there, not that at all was just something no. that made perfect sense. Perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. And so, do you? Is it home brewers who are doing that, or have you seen other, our kind of? I Don't know about commercial, but our, our kind of bigger.
1: Yeah, bigger. Brewers doing yeah, bigger, bigger brewers things? are doing it as well, uh, which we're really supportive of. There's been a couple of instances where people have started up and actually called themselves Toast. Right. And that definitely takes the piss. <laughs> and so, yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> so we're so we're we're all up for people taking on the concept and just, and, and just yeah. at least think of your own but, name. Yeah, yeah but back. come up with your own name. I mean, yeah. ah, <laughs> uh, we do. We it blows our mind. Um, but yeah, there's now kind of a crumbs and a loaf and an all sorts. That's that's um, in
0: uh, Reigate. Yeah yeah yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Even like, um, my hometown
1: and uh, even uh, our uh, lovely friends at m have copied us and are now about to start brewing a, a beer as well with bread. Um, mm. And so, which is exciting to see it taking off. I wish more people reached out to us. If they're doing it at a um, a more industrial scale and trying to be part of this whole global movement, then why not reach out to us, work with us, collaborate with us. Also follow our principles of trying to contribute money back to charity as well. Mm. A lot of these uh, projects or businesses that are uh, brewing with bread are now using it as a marketing spin rather than using the principles by which we started Toast, and so that's that's a shame. That's disappointing. But ultimately, in terms of the mission, we couldn't be more thrilled that it is just now absolutely taking off uh, quicker than we'd ever hoped. Yeah.
0: So the um, so it's taking off in the UK um, in and globally. Yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah, sure In the UK through the work that you're doing with Toast UK. Yep. Um, collaborations with other brewers and you know open sourcing the recipe local brewers and and the momentum around that when you also have toast in other countries so like you said globally yeah, yeah, yeah. you you're in you're in america in the united states you're in uh south africa and brazil i think as well as, yeah. as as toast yeah how does it work when you do that is it um are you sort of directly involved or is this sort of i think i might have read that it's kind of a, like a license or at least sort of a yeah so how, how does it work you know if, if yeah, somebody so if somebody was listening yep in some far-flung place and wanted to yeah, do a yeah, toast, yeah, yeah 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 toast
1: in the caribbean what yeah um yeah how does um, it work? and uh we've now been reached out to by yeah almost every corner of the world where people are interested in doing toast mm. and so um it's yeah it's amazing to see um and um bit more noise coming through the shed um <laughs> and um no so we yeah we've been reached out by uh, almost every corner of the world which is yeah super exciting to see whereby um people are really wanting to take on this concept work with us um and yeah what we say is you know please do like reach out to us let's work together rather than us just finding out that you've launched a bread beer called toast somewhere in the world mm-hmm. which uh, yeah last week that happened in canada okay. um couple of weeks ago that happened in the netherlands um it's wow. just bonkers um anyway so um We... The model. So in the US... Oh, it's Iceland as well, by the way. Um, So we're also brewing in Iceland. Not a massive market. uh, But um, it's... uh, Yeah, the country, not the supermarket. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And um, they... um, That was where we first expanded to. And a little bit through opportunistic... um, uh, Yeah, sort of reasons, rather than necessarily kind of strategically picking Brazil, South Africa and Iceland. They're Mm. a relatively uh, random grouping. Um, But we sort of good mix of holiday yeah oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's true um and we um so we expanded to the u.s very deliberately and so in the u.s it's a huge beer market really pioneered a lot of the craft beer movement Um, a massive culprit when it comes to food waste and we see a really exciting opportunity to uh, both develop a very sustainable beer business and tackle a really huge issue of food waste Um, and so launched in the US last July again being a British company we thought it would be hilarious to launch on the 4th of July Um, and so launched last uh, Independence Day and um, have yeah had great success seeing the business grow in New York and across the East Coast and Ultimately, in the US, we've set that up as a subsidiary. So in terms of geeky business structures set up in the US as a subsid, that's a wholly owned business by the UK Mm -hmm. uh, company. Um, And uh, we have a team there who I manage and go over to New York every two to three months to support. um, And we're always on. Uh, WhatsApp and Skype and uh, checking in. Mm. And then in South Africa and Brazil and Iceland, we've actually expanded using a more franchise licensee model uh, where we haven't set up our own companies, but we found local partners who have breweries or ha- who have food waste uh, organizations who have an interest in doing what we're doing um, and then they take the recipe the concept uh, our expertise when it comes to getting the best extraction from the bread uh, our connections to bakeries and ultimately the brand and the marketing appeal that we now have um, where we've you know we've been on social media that's gone viral and we've seen millions of times and uh, have been in global publications and things and so there's quite a lot of marketing brand value Behind the business, and they take that on and um, and then make it a success locally, and that's what's happening in those other three countries. And we we have plans to grow to thirty countries um, in the next two to three years, um, and really build this global craft beer uh, business um, Mm. rooted in purpose, in a mission-driven approach, in authenticity. And it's such a crowded market so so many craft beers out there are competing for shelf space Uh, really delicious products outstanding quality beer now that's out there in the market it's the best time to be a craft beer enthusiast Mm. um but those beers are really struggling to gain traction i think because consumers are so eager for something more than just a tasty product um A tasty product is good, but it really needs to be tasty. It needs to be price competitive. And I think crucially, it needs to have purpose and authenticity. And that's what we also have in abundance. Um, And so, yeah, really, really important. And we've registered as a B Corporation. So we've just been certified as a B Corp, which is this kind of certification endorsement that everything that we stand for is is mission. Well, That's something else that I really
0: wanted to ask you about, because... Uh, I've spoken to people. One, well, one of the previous guests in particular was talking about B corporations, and um, it's it's a reasonably new kind of concept for the UK at least. You know, well established in the states, and um, it's. I suppose what I wanted to ask was, um, I suppose first of congratulations. You're the first UK beer company to to achieve it, and as, as I understand it, it's quite an arduous thing quite quite a taxing thing to to go through i suppose the the main question is kind of why did you do it because you are clearly a a socially driven business you know from from your inception you were values-led and it was sort of very clear what you're about so i I can i think for some people who go for b corporation certification there's a sort of a marketing
1: i mean there's a marketing element of it
0: that i i just kind of on my just So the first instinct was like you probably didn't need or or not as much as some others. So I just thought, why why did you want to do
1: it? Yeah, it's really it's a really true point. Um, And a couple of people have asked us that exact. So we only um, went public with this certification last week, and Mm. um, a couple of people have already asked us. You know, why did you do it? Like it's like you 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 go you don't need to prove anything at Toast Mm. surely. Um, But that's what's been really humbling about the process is. We thought when we started the B Corp process, really arrogantly that come on, I and mean, we we're just good through and we'll through. the yeah, we're just absolutely breezed yeah. through. But not at all. You know, they they encourage you to look 360 at everything you're doing at a business, your entire procurement policy, all of your internal HR policies. Um, how are you rewarding and incentivizing staff? What ownership do they have in the business? Um, what does your entire business model look like? Not just um, Kind of what you're directly doing as a business, uh, but everything about your entire business ecosystem, um, and that's been an incredibly useful process for us to go through and they've educated, informed us on all sorts of new policies and processes and procedures that we should really have to be a you know, really solid business, not just a business that's um, purpose driven, but just uh, solid foundations. I, I
0: suppose that's how I was thinking of it. The, you know, it was, it was more about the kind of <clears throat> the, the mission, the kind of the overall purpose of it. And you yeah, know, yeah, if, yeah. if you're, if you're sort of set up with, with a social purpose in your Charter, or in your sort of, you know, as, as your founding purpose, then you would, yep. you would sort of automatically,
1: yeah, one hundred percent, and it's probably a good opportunity. I mean, I um, you should really emphasize that it was a colleague of mine, Louisa, who absolutely led on the kind of drive to go for B Corp certification and has introduced all sorts of amazing policies in order for us to to get there. Um, and again, just um, an emphasis on just what a team effort it is for Toast to be where we are, and just how crucial different people have been in the formation of toast to get to the stage so just to be really clear <laughs> in terms of me being here um sort of sh- spieling on about uh what we're doing at toast it really is a collective team effort and tristram mm. came up with the idea um i was on board in the early days but julie and Louisa have been on board since the very beginning um and have driven the business to be what it is as well today another colleague david um who's just Leading on all of our sales um, nationally, uh, and then in the U.S., um, Karen and Joe, um, and uh, uh, another colleague, Maddie, who have just, yeah, again, just working day in, day out to to make this the success that it is. And I think that's just so important for any, you know, any small startup, food and drink, or uh, social enterprise business out there. Uh, you realize just how important it is for everybody to get stuck into the the hard graft um in the very early days you know we're only two years old and we're growing quickly we're about to double triple in size when it comes to the staff team um over the next probably like six to ten weeks um and the amount that the team have put in so far is just awesome
0: fantastic um just just i suppose stay on the b corp thing just for a second Would, would you would you recommend it to anybody would you would you sort of um do you think i mean obviously there's kind of value in it but do you think people would need to be very clear about what it actually entails and it it isn't for everybody
1: oh yeah it's definitely not for i don't know i so i think anyone in our sector is optimistically motivated and driven that hopefully all businesses get to the stage where they're big corporations. Um, I think we need that. Uh, Business needs to change uh, for two reasons. One, it needs to change because it's the right thing to do. Two, it needs to change because you'll go out of business and consumers will start turning away from you. Consumers are so aware now um, about what you're doing and how you practice and your staff will also just reject you if you're not um, leading uh, with some kind of purpose. So um, I think, there's a need for this to be right for all businesses. I think also for B Corp to push themselves a little bit further as well. It's a good stepping stone, but I don't think it's the ideal, um, end stage for all business. Uh, I think business can do even better than B Corp. And I think in many ways we are doing better, um, than some aspects of the B Corp movement, but not all aspects. Um, and then, um, but yeah, I think if, any you can go onto the website and um they've got all sorts of tools and uh processes to kind of help you assess where you might be in the B Corp um process and yeah, well worth taking a look and uh seeing where you're at. I think it, it should be for everyone. I think the biggest so I think Danon um have just become the largest global business to be wow. recognized as a B Corp. Um, I think I
0: think the one that they um I think Ben & Jerry's with the sort of the the biggest one. Yes, yeah, so they're probably a while one of the ago. bigger brands. Yeah, uh, but, but Danone Danon by far the biggest huge. business. Yeah.
1: Um, Patagonia is kind of a relatively well-known brand. Yeah, Ella's Kitchen, um, another well-known brand that's on there. Um, and so yeah, there's a few big brands on there, but it's now becoming, yeah, appropriate even for big multinationals like Danone. So it's mm. great. It's exciting. Yeah. Just I thought I'd ask you. you um, still I think
0: have involvement in quite a lot of the things that you've set up so you're you know yeah, said yeah, you're yeah. still sort of you still chair or on the board or involved with Reed and with and there there are a number of other ventures that you've set up and you are you know as we as we've sort of discussed on mic and and before we started recording you know you're saying you're sort of back and forth you're very very busy with Toast um as well how how are you sort Of managing it all, how are you dividing your time between all those different things?
1: Yeah, and also, um, uh, yeah, a, a husband and a dad, and um, well, yeah, not not, t- and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got a beautiful boss over that. Nobody's, that, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely gorgeous family, got two little boys, and um, yeah, not the ideal time to start a uh, uh, a global um, empire, yeah, a beer business. Uh, <laughs> yeah. my wife would definitely vouch for, um, and so it's um yeah it's i think it's challenging but i think it's also about just prioritizing i think um i really try as best as possible to get back for bath time bedtime every day with the kids um and uh, if necessary can do a little bit of work afterwards um but really try not to and really try not to work at the weekends and we try to have a really positive culture internally as a business and make sure that we encourage each other to take time off if we've worked crazy over time. And um, again, like you see too much burnout and you see people really suffer and struggle for too long if they don't look after themselves. Um, and it's not just like cliche to say it or um, or being kind of soft and cuddly um, to talk about 21st century business values, but it's essential. And if you want a team uh, to really perform highly they need to look after their well being. And it's something that we as a business are trying to get right. We've still got a hell of a lot to learn. And I think I try as best as possible to lead by example, um, but I'm not the best at leading by example in this respect. Mm. And so try to empower others in the team to also uh, lead in these areas. So yeah, try, but always learning. Um, one thing we're really excited about at the moment is we've just raised this round of investment in Toast. And we've pioneered what we believe to be a really exciting new investment structure called equity for good. And the equity for good concept is you invest in a business um, like Toast, which is a values, purpose-driven business. Um, if you were to then sell your shares in the future, and your shares will have gained in value, um, then you commit that net capital gain. You you commit you commit the growth in your share value uh, to reinvesting that into another social enterprise Mm. so that you kind of pay it forward and that the money generated from social enterprise stays within the social enterprise ecosystem. And we can then really help grow the social enterprise market. Um, And that's what we're calling equity for good. And I'm really excited about the potential for that as a concept for other social entrepreneurs, for other purpose driven businesses, perhaps for other members of B corporations. Um, because it's a strange element of business whereby you know we're motivated to drive all of this impact through toast. We could invite investors in who end up creating huge amounts of personal wealth for themselves from the shares they buy in our business. Mm. And without certainty as to what they're going to do with that wealth, um, we could inadvertently create more harm than good, depending on what they go on to spend their money on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we think it's really important for us, and we think it might be important for other businesses to have that, uh, I guess, pledge of confidence um, that money made from their social enterprise will be reinvested in other social enterprises or gifted to charity, perhaps, but it will be committed to good causes um, and reinvested in good causes rather than anything. Um, and so that's something that evenings and weekends at the moment are starting to uh, get a little bit uh, occupied by that new idea.
0: That's an interesting idea. I mean, you, I think people are quite used to the idea of uh, sort of investigating where, where the mo- you know, what's done with the money that you invest and sort of, you know, in, in, in that direction. But um, yeah, I mean, for somebody, somebody like, like yourselves, you know, that, that's, that's really interesting. So have have you spoken to other kind of social? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: quite a lot of appetite. So yeah, we've spoken to other social enterprises, lots of appetite and, um, again, (laughs) need to try and focus on toast. Um, and we've only just closed this round of investment using this model, created our own pledge form, um, created our own legal structure for it. And, um, But yeah, hoping that that could start uh, to take off and really looking actually for somebody to uh, maybe come on board and and really lead on this concept, this idea, because I think this could have legs of its own. Um, And we're looking at building out equityforgood.com as a maybe sort of crowd investment platform as well for social enterprises. So all sorts of ideas bubbling away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Never standing still.
0: (laughs) That's really... So is that... um, Have you raised funds just for sort of general business growth? Because I remember you... um, you crowdfunded, I think, the last yes, the last yeah, yeah, two yeah. two type you two new beer um, yep. lines that you developed. Yep. Is is that is it for anything in particular or were you just sort of generally sort of raising growth funds? Yeah,
1: really raising raising funds for that next stage of our growth. So we raised some funding through crowdfunding when we were launching two new beer styles. We launched with a pale ale and we expanded to a lager and an IPA. And that really helped us with our cash flow about a year ago. Realized that with our global ambitions and a global expansion strategy to go to 30 countries and expand throughout the US. And we're now selling our beer in the UK and big you know, national accounts such as Tesco's and Waitrose and um, the kind of scale of our business now compared to 12 months ago and compared to 24 months ago is just incomparable. And so really needing to raise that capital in order to grow the business sustainably, bring on board more staff, um, invest in our products, um, invest in our quality control. So now that we're brewing in a number of countries around the world, we've got to really make sure that the beer is, that has the toast brand on it, is up to scratch. Uh, we've got no reason to doubt it, but uh, but it is important to keep on top of those and things. There's a
0: lot of investment in infrastructure to do that, I guess. That's, yeah, that's, and it just takes it yeah. takes
1: it takes money and it takes time and it takes mm-hmm. capacity, and so that's where we've uh, raised some some investment to achieve all those things. But like I said, with investors signing up to these really awesome social principles, and also investors in Toast, which is slightly separate to this equity for good concept, but investors in Toast also committed to the fact that um, they're happier that our business principles are 100 of profits Mm. go to charity
0: i mean i'm just sort of thinking through as we're talking but it's a really interesting way of sort of making sure that people are kind of investing in you as an
1: idea rather than just speculating on exactly how you do and it means that you have really aligned totally mission-driven aligned Mm. investors on board and you know that the decisions that are made by investors as well as the board are then totally on the same uh, principled basis um as the rest of the organization
0: Mm. there you go equityforgood.com I'll be be looking out well we're not yet we're not yet live I will be looking out we're not yet
1: live we will be maybe I don't know give us give us 12 (laughs) give us 12 months time and then maybe we'll be something just kind of got to launch it. global beer for now go to toastdale.com ToastAle.com. don't don't get carried away right
0: Um, just uh, you know I'm kind of aware of time but there are just a couple more couple more questions I wanted to ask you about um, the stocking Um, you know you're you're already you're already stocked widely and you've got, you know, sort of plans for growth um, sort of generally. you're In the UK, you're stocked in Tesco, Waitrose, um, uh, independent shops and restaurants yep. as well. Is there anything anybody listening could do to help you expand further? I mean, can they... Yeah. Because you're... Are you not in other other supermarkets because you're exclusive with the ones that you are with or is it... No, is it not at of, all.
1: We're just... Growing and and we're getting there. Um, and so we're in yeah hundreds, uh, if not probably about a thousand independent bars, restaurants, shops. Um, and would love you to go and look on our website and see where you can go and pick us up. Um, if we're not in your local favorite bar or restaurant or bottle shop, then please go and mention us. Mm. And uh, that's how uh, shop managers buy us in is because they've heard mm. about people asking for it. it it is how it works and so please please go in and ask and say you want to get hold of toast um and they'll they'll order it in for you
0: and i know that some industry sort of people listen to this as well so yep. i mean they i'm sure they can get them through the main yep.
1: suppliers yeah in, and, and then we yeah we work with all the big distributors mm. um as well as supplying direct um and um and then also buying on our on our website so we do do some uh mail order business not a huge amount of our business uh, but some people do still want to buy direct um and at so stale.com you can you can buy from us directly mm-hmm. uh for listeners um why don't you type in i know rob and then uh, you'll get a 10 percent discount so we can uh have a a bruce a little bonus uh there discount for uh for all the listeners um now that we're all best friends and uh put i know rob um You've and- listened, you listened listen to all of this you get uh that's your <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah that's there your you reward go. i'd be surprised <laughs> The, the the my mum that's left i guess it'll probably that's be my right. mum that's actually, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so um yeah that's really you know that is the main way is just word of mouth still people talking about it um passing that on to friends family uh and and shop and and, and restaurant owners and that's how we're yeah that's how we're growing okay um just to sort of
0: finish things off i always ask a couple of kind of more general questions yeah that yeah, yeah. I, that i talk to so i thought i'd i'd like to ask you um In the context of food in the UK, if I say success, who do you think of and why? Ooh, the concept of
1: food. So I would say, so quite close to home in terms of our, who's on our board actually, but is Ella's Kitchen. And um, as a recent parent um, with two little boys, Ella's Kitchen. I don't know if you have kids as well. I've got one. He's three. Okay. Yeah. Ella's Kitchen just becomes this like household name where... Mm. It's a brand as significant as i don't think it's genuinely like as significant as something like a coca-cola was before, um and you'd have never heard of it and then suddenly Ella's kitchen is just like everywhere for parents um and what like they've Pe- pepper pig yeah, kind of on yeah, yeah 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 yeah, in- and I think what they've achieved in brand presence and awareness with quality product mm. um and realizing this opportunity and niche and gap in the market as well is just phenomenal and so um yeah they for me are such an example of success and um and really mission driven approach I imagine as well they're a fantastic person to have access oh, to yeah, yeah paul is yeah phenomenal yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah. incredible to yeah. have him uh, on the end of a phone um and yeah super successful brilliant um
0: Final question. What is your favourite thing to do that has nothing to do with food?
1: Uh, Definitely just getting outside and walking with my family. Uh, Love now just um, uh, putting Matthew on my back in like a backpack, uh, Thomas uh, running along and Nikki and I just going for a walk in the, so we live in Kent, uh, deliberately out in the countryside to be away from uh, London and the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, just love getting out into the countryside. That is my favourite thing to do in the world with friends and family fantastic well we'll leave it there that's awesome Awesome.
0: thank you so much for your time um just just finally for anyone still listening where, where would you like them to go website addresses oh, I, think music, I think i've shamelessly i think i've shamelessly plugged plug it in again and um, anything that you want to leave them with go ahead
1: oh no well i think i've shamelessly plugged it enough so yeah just go to toastale.com um and uh check us out at toastdale on all the appropriate social media channels retweet us like us follow us uh all that jazz there you go. and uh, and download the recipe and brew it i think that's the the best yeah. thing you could do actually i'd get so so <clears throat> much more excited if you downloaded the recipe went to your local bakery got some bread that would have otherwise gone to waste brew something up, send us some photos, send us some samples, would absolutely love to try it. And uh, that's what we're getting really excited about at the moment.
0: That's an excellent plug. We'll leave it there. Thank you very, very much for your time. Cool. Thank you, Alex.